0: Alrighty, so we are um, unpacking this idea of a way of life today, and you have some cards, some resources with you that you might just want to hold in your hand to keep nice and close. On the screen right here, we've got four actions, and for those of you who are introverts this morning, I'm giving you fair warning, it's like 10 seconds worth, so you can just get your mind in set. If you had to choose one of these, which was the most challenging one for you, and then the one that was most um it to easy for you. Which one would it be? The share, immerse, act, or rest? Yeah, you're thinking about that? Why and which one? Why don't you turn to the person next to you just for a moment and say, which is the one that you'd find most easiest and which one would you find most challenging and why? Go ahead and do that, just for a moment. Share, act, immerse, <laughs> or rest? Alrighty, (laughs) over the next couple of weeks I'm going to be inviting you to think about which of these are the ones that most come naturally, which are the ones that most difficult and why that might be. I was reading an article in a newspaper this week, it was an international newspaper, and there was a person who was commenting upon our shared COVID experiences, particularly for those of us who lived in Victoria, who'd been locked down for at least four years, and we were trying to make our way back to some semblance of normality. And as they were talking about the cycles of life and time and seasons, this is one of their comments that they wrote. He said this, people were disoriented because they didn't know what day of the week it was. And that experience was a telling symbol of the unmooring of time. And I reckon that's what happened to a number of us that were experiencing a COVID lockdown was this idea that we became very disoriented with the seasons and the patterns of life, particularly time. If you're a younger person here, you're studying at university or at high school, one of the things that would have been a challenge for you would have been to orient your day so that you got certain activities done. In fact, some of you thrived in that space and some of you hated it. Part of the, if you like, those who found it more difficult was they got unhinged from the people connection around them. But they also, and we found collectively, that our patterns in life were so disrupted that it was hard to distinguish when morning became afternoon, afternoon became evening, apart from it got a little bit darker, but even then you might have kept your lights on, right? And so there was this unhooking, this unhinging, if you like, from actually patterns and seasons and time itself. I was talking to someone this week who said to me, as they were patting a part of their body, and they said, one of the things that happened to me during COVID is that I got unhooked from my exercise routine. And they said, I want to do something about that. And so that was something that they were experiencing, was part of their everyday experience, this unhooking detachment from time, which makes us think about something that says about our human psyche and what we intuitively reach for. You see, if anything, lockdown taught us that human beings, we like enough diversity and flavor, if you like, we like variety, but at the same time, we hunger for continuity, I think I discovered in a fresh way something that I didn't quite understand but kind of might have intuited about myself and about ourselves is that structure is actually our friend. Too much structure and it can be suffocating. Too little structure and it can be chaotic. Part of the situation we find ourselves in now collectively across our nation and around globally is that we're deciphering and determining what do we pick up What do we put down? What do we leave down? And what are some of those other things that I would like to do now that I haven't done before? One of the things I'd like to suggest to us is that actually structure, like it or not, is actually your friend. It's not here to rob you of life. It's actually here to help you in life. All that's really important for what I'm about to talk about today, which is our way of life, because at the heart of it is understanding that there are certain patterns and routines and rhythms in our experiences of life that are critically important for understanding how we function and operate best, if you like, as human beings. About 15 years ago, we asked the question here at New Community, if we could narrow down activities that constituted what we felt reflected the Jesus life, what would we say? And so we came up with these four words or four activities, share, act, immerse, and rest. It kind of became one of those, if you like, visual images that that Lindy so well created and crafted and kind of communicated visually to us about... Uh, How we might even respond to someone who said, look, you're a Christian, you're a Jesus person, what does this mean for you? And very quickly and very easily, we could reach for these four visuals and say, what does it mean for me? Well, it means firstly this, I make Jesus my reference point for life. I spend time rubbing off and immersing with him, and he rubs off on me. If you like his wisdom, his knowledge, his teaching, his desire for my life, actually, I become clearer about that, having immersed with him. Second part of it is that I really believe that everything that I have is, is his. And so the resources that I have available to me, I want to use for other people. There's so much inequity in this world that part of me actually engaging with Jesus means that I'm going to redistribute things that I have in my life to other people for their good. And I want to correct some of that imbalance. In fact, when there's opportunity, I want to share about who he is because I think he's a, he's a center point for my life that gives me life. The third one was, well, for some of us, we would say we want to act. When we see things of injustice in our schools, in our communities, in our workspaces, we want to speak out about them and act for a cause for good, correcting injustices to making them right because one day we think he's going to do that in full. And lastly, to sustain this kind of life with Jesus, I need to have pause times where I rest. As Lindy said, the squiggly lines are so bold and apparent that I need to have time in which I soak up and have rest in my life to sustain that kind of being. And so within these four areas, we began to talk about them as being our way of life. This, and today, I want to just briefly focus on two. Immerse and rest the two things that when i usually talk to people about who maybe have known jesus for some time when you mention them there's this collective ah. because i know that as human beings we deal in guilt and shame so much don't we that as soon as you talk about some of these patterns the first intuitive reflex that we might have is i know you're going to tell me to do something and so if i could somehow lift that off You this morning, if that's your reflex, I'd like to do that, to reposition them in a different way. I want to remind us at the heart of it, sometimes patterns and structures are our friends. This first one, immerse. If you like, if I just pull back for one moment, there's this image and picture in the Bible about people growing close to God being like a tree that's flourishing. When we began to think about this way of life, we sort of kind of pictured it being a trellis. A trellis doesn't cause the growth in a plant. It helps direct it. It helps it make it more fruitful. It positions it for its maximum output. And a trellis, if you like, directs it and guides it. That's how we perceived the way of life, not as the cause, but as something that might support a growing, healthy life with God. And so the first one, immerse. There's this great passage in the Bible that says this, Jesus' words, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not bear fruit and he prunes every branch that does bear fruit so that it can bear more fruit. He goes on and he says this, remain in me and I will remain in you. The branch can't bear fruit by itself, but only if it remains in the vine. In the same way, you can't bear fruit unless you remain in me. Seemingly from this passage and these words, Jesus is kind of intuiting to people that when you draw close to him, he rubs off on you. In fact, the life of with God is actually connected like a branch of a vine to the trunk of the vine itself. There's something good about remaining and drawing close to him. And so over the number of years, we've been exploring what does that look like? I remember in my late teens, into my early 20s, I began to discover the idea of God rubbing off on me in a more profound way. If you had asked me, I would have said, I believe in God, maybe go along to church, but I probably had a bit of a posture that looked like this wonder if you are here this morning and your posture with God is still kind of like this. You're, you let him into part of the property, but he's still, as someone said, on the other side of the fly wire screen. <laughs> and so there was this posture in my life like this. And all I remember at that particular time as I recall that, something shifted in me with God. It was as though God came knocking on my life in a different way. And he began to nudge me and prompt me more to who he was. Now, I can't tell you if it began when I unhinged my arms like this and say, God, I'd like to know more of you, or if God was actually in the process of unhinging my arms. Somehow, though, within the midst of that, there was a shift. And as I began to sense this shift in my own life, that is my openness to God, I found That he began to pour himself into me. And I know that's such subjective words, but it felt like God was beginning to pour his love and his life into me in a different way. I wonder for some of us if the beginning of actually experiencing more of God is actually unhooking our arms. I mean, you get this, don't you? If you are a student at school and you have this posture to the teacher... Good luck with that. You'll learn so much, right? If you have this posture to your boss at work, I, I pity that boss. Good luck to that boss. Good luck to you for actually taking instruction. And 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 maybe you're out in the community there and you're thinking, you know, if I've got my arms like this, it's really hard for God to speak. What I found as I began to unhook my arms and open up is that God did something in me that I didn't expect. Firstly, he began to break the pride in my life. He began to shift something in me about me being in control and about me being the one who was the center of my universe. And he began, if you like, to wear down my pride. The second thing I found that happened in me was that God began to open my eyes to other people in a different way. I began to see people in a different light. Not that I didn't see them before, but I began to see them in a way that actually saw, if you like, more of God's compassion and heart to them. So therefore, I was less judgmental and more prone to want to reach out my hands and say, how can I help and be involved in your life for good? The third thing that happened was this. God put me on a trajectory that might be inclined to say, I wonder, God, what you would like me to do with my life for you. And if you had have said to me, Troy, at the age of 19 or 20, that I'd be standing up here and being a minister of a church, I would have laughed at you. God has a sense of humor. I wonder today, as you hear these words of Jesus about remain, and your arms are kind of like this, or maybe they've folded again like this during the COVID time, If the one thing he might be saying to you is, would you open up your hands again? Because I'd kind of like to pour myself in again. One of the most profound things I've found over the years of trying to pattern my life after doing that is that I've found that I'm more intuitive to God's voice in my life than if I hadn't been doing those things. For example... Two weeks ago, I was doing some painting on the house, and as I picked up the paint, it occurred to me that there'd been an extended family friend who had helped us with painting before. That triggered in me a series of thoughts about that person and their family. And as I began to think about that family, I began to consider if I had some words to say to the extended family that belonged to that family about what I think those parents or that parent would say to the extended family. They came very clear to my mind. And then I went on with my painting. A few hours later, I received a telephone call. And the telephone call went to the extent of the other person that's in that family, so the the spouse of, has taken ill and they're in hospital. And in a few days' time, they died. And I thought to myself, how uncanny that I could have been thinking that and believing that I have something to say to that family, even before I knew any of that would happen. And so the next time I see them, I think I've got kind of some things that I'd like to pass on to them by words of encouragement that preceded those events. Now, if you're here and you're a sceptic this morning, and you're online and you're watching and you're a sceptic, you'll look at that and you'll listen to those words and you'll say, you just made that stuff up, Troy, or you triggered with the painting stuff. Yeah, I could have. But I've discovered over my life of immersing how those coincidences <laughs> seem to have more regularity. And it's God's maybe voice in my life to be attuned to. That's the benefit I find of immersing. The Celtic spirituality saw the world not by seeing God looking up to the heavens, but the Celtic Christians looked down to the earth and saw God in nature. God wasn't the tree, but he was the one who created the trees. And they had this idea of thin spaces being a space where heaven and earth were closer together. Their proximity was thinner. And so they would often meet God beside streams and in beautiful settings because they felt God's presence. So let me ask you this. Where are your thin spaces in life? Where you can decrease the ambient noise in your life so that expectantly as you position yourself to God that you might begin to discern his whisper and his nudge. That's what immersion is all about. Reducing the ambient noise in our lives so that we might be able to hear him clearer. The second thing I want to say about this, (laughs) is that a, a conviction coming out of COVID, that communities, church communities, faith communities, our community, will repair through heartfelt worship of the living God. And that's something that I can't do for anyone else. It's only something that individuals might do when they unhook their arms and say, God, I would like to re-discover you afresh from the inside out from my heart. And I find that when human beings do that, my experience has been when you uh, uh, direct worship and thanks and praise to God, he, he shifts something in you and he changes you on the inside. That's what I've found in my life. Immerse. The second one, can, collectively right now, could you just all give a groan on, on the count of three, okay? One, two, three. Yep. Whenever you hear this, that's the first thing that anyone, anyone, anyone wants to do is just, right, Troy, you want to talk to me about rest. Good luck with that. That is just ridiculous. Because our lives are busier than anything. And one more thing, and I'm going to kick you in the shins. If you want to afterwards just come and just kick me in the shins for no other reason for just raising this idea of rest. Lindy started it first, and she's here in the room, so you could actually kick her first. No. And then come and kick me in the shins and saying, thank you for bringing just another thing in my life. But you get the idea of it, don't you? A number of years ago, we asked ourselves the question, how do we sustain our lives in ways that actually make sense? Because I was taught at university, believe it or not, believe it or not, that with the onset of the technology age, that we would actually have so much extra leisure time in our hands, we wouldn't know what to do with ourselves. How wrong was that? But this idea of rest is another way of appropriating time and using it, if you like, as a gift to us. The Bible talks about this idea of God, creation, seven days, and, and there was this seventh day in which he rested from all of his work. And then it goes on in Genesis and says this, then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because he'd rested from all the other work he'd created that he'd done. There was this idea of pausing. Holy being set apart, different to, separate from, unique we don't have any sacred space left in our culture today. Do you know that? Every day is exactly the same as the other. If you work in retail, you are on 24 /7, you work in, in medical, you know you are on 24 /7, you work shift work, 24 /7. There is no sacred space left at all in our culture. That's what capitalism has given us: <laughs> the ability to make our own decisions for ourselves no one will make it for us. <laughs> and so this idea, if you like, of rest is something that no one's going to but individuals alone. Because it's no longer patterned and hooked into our weeks. In fact, so it was this pattern of six days, one rest, six days, one rest, six days, one rest. And then when Jesus came he was very clear about saying, if you know you come from a Jewish background where this comes from, you don't have to force that on the people who are not Jews and those who are not from a Jewish background that come to know Jesus. You don't have to just diss that and say that's not important anymore. In fact, he says, one person might consider one day more special than the other and another one might consider it not as special as the other. That's okay. The question that's most important, I think, for living sustainable Communities and actually sustainable lives is understanding that to, to appropriate a day of ceasing from productivity in the same way you've been doing the other six is really important. So, this is what it looked like for Bron and I. Uh, three kids growing up, what do we do? Pulled in every direction. But <laughs> well, what we did do was this: entered a mindset that said there's one day in which we want to try and set aside. It's not so much about going without and sitting there in a chair and doing nothing, but it's reappropriating it in a different way. To enter into a day of restedness, which actually says, I'm going to enter this day as a gift I'm going to enter this day as though it's a gift to me. And what I'm going to do is unhook my productivity and say, I'm no longer going to try and get things accomplished. That's not the point of the day. The point of the day is to start embracing feasting and renewing. And it looked like this in the morning time, I'd had a garden to put in order because it was chaos. (laughs) I'd approach the garden not with trying to actually get it all done, but to actually just enjoy doing the gardening or the painting of the house, the painting of the house, or the painting of the house. Did I say painting of the house? Because it never stops, right? And and it would kill you if you tried to say, I'm going to rest on this day, because you'd never get it done. There's always a weatherboard rotting somewhere. So what you would need to know is to go, I need to approach this with a different pause, I would say I'm going to open up myself for conversation with people. So when I'm guarding at the front garden there and people are walking by with their dogs, it's like they always do, you might actually stop and pause and have a conversation. That's on the scale because it's not about being productive in the same way. It's actually about renewing, loving people. And so that's what you made available in your time. Last thing we would do is we'd actually I would purchase a uh, shoulder of lamb and I would put it, put it on and I would have an eight-hour bake. And I'd invite some people over in the evening time. And I'd say, let's just sit together and eat and celebrate feasting together. And That was good. And it worked for me about one in how many. <laughs> because we are so hooked to productivity and productivity and productivity. I've tried this before. And I know when I've done a good, if you like, Sabbath, call it a pause rest. Because I feel that. It's different. And I know when I've just treated it like an every other day. Because at the end of the day, what am I? Exhausted. (laughs) And I go, that wasn't good. So I wonder if it's time for us to creatively think again what about means to do this. Because it opens up all opportunities. Last year, I'm doing some study as well as... Work here, and I thought I'm going to rub the day off in order to get more productivity with study. Do you know how long I lasted? Six months. Maybe you're better than me. M- maybe you can just do it harder and longer and all that stuff. Six months. My circuits broke. I needed to come back again and say, I can't do that because I'm not wired that way. Maybe you are. Maybe you can just go 24 7, but I would suggest to you. That when we cease from productivity in a certain way, we will make ourselves available to a refreshing, a renewing, a rejuvenating. That's good. I'm going to hear some music right now. And that music's going to be a pause space for you to think about how God might be speaking to you. Come on up, Craig. Out of these four, out of these two, what might God be speaking to you about today? Maybe you've come here and you haven't been anticipating that God might speak to you at all. But I've been praying that He would. And maybe you're sitting there with your arms like this. But you do hear a gentle nudge or a whisper, or maybe none of those. But maybe you'd like to just ask Him now in the quiet God, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for me? early Jesus followers were called people of the way so we ask ourselves what way this way because he talks about his Sabbath also being a pointer to one day there will be a Sabbath rest where there will be no more productivity no more striving Pure energy, love, and light, boundless, where you enter into a rest that only he can provide. That's Shalom. When Jesus was on the earth, he said to his disciples, when you gather together, when you meet with me, what I'd like you to do is remember what I've done for you. took some bread and he broke it and he said this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me and then after that it says he took a cup and he said this is the cup of the new agreement covenant between God and human beings it's going to be ratified in my blood you don't understand what I'm doing for you but you will it says as often as you meet together and you eat and you drink you remember me until I come again when I put all things right and all things together and all of these things will come together so I would invite you this morning as part of this pool space we have some tables set up here I thought it would be appropriate that if you'd like to draw close to Jesus like to say thank you for what you've done for me that you might hop up out of your chair that you go and take it someone will give you a piece of bread that you take a cup you go back to your chair that you might pause and pray God what are you saying to me and would you give me the courage to do it and then would you eat and drink and be grateful for what he has done for you for you for you why don't we do that now if you would like to join in today go to one of those tables if you would like to just sit and listen that's fine too but if you'd like to draw close to Jesus, thank him for what he's done then why don't you join with us